Hey everybody, you're watching so many sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Gary. And I'm David. Today on the show, David, you scooted back up quite a bit, didn't you? Oh there yeah. You well, I'm trying to keep the mic further back from my computer. Oh, I see. Um, yep. Yeah, uh, I get that. So we're still talking about Star Trek on the show this week. We're almost done with the Next Generation movies, which is what we're covering. Uh, we've done Generations. We've done uh, First Contact, and today we're going to cover Star Trek Insurrection. Insurrection. And then, of course, we'll wrap it up next week with Nemesis, so get excited for that. Or don't. Um, but Star Trek Insurrection, to give you all a little heads up, what did I just miss? I was just laughing at you saying you could get excited about it, or oh. don't. Because it's a bad don't. movie. Yeah. Uh, so Star Trek Insurrection, though, came out in 1998. Uh, of course, it, we, we returned with the same uh, original TNG cast. Um, Jonathan Frakes directs this one, um, his second Star Trek movie after um, First Contact. Right. This movie, though, considerably different from the others. Um, you know, we started with Generations. Go back and listen to that episode if you haven't yet. It's... Um, the like bridging the gap between the original cast and this new cast. Um, so it's kind of strange. The first contact is like super um, sci-fi action based um, with the Borg and all this time travel and bleh, scary monsters. And then this movie is a lot more subdued. It's often compared to being like a extended episode of the television show it mm-hmm. draws draws back on the action um and it kind of turns up the uh ethics political drama ethics yeah. um there's conspiracy involved which is exciting and i'll just start before i have y'all go I'll, I'll start with my thoughts on it i haven't watched this movie in a very long time and i i had not good memories of it and so I went into this expecting it to be really bad, but it was just regular bad. <laughs> like, it wasn't really bad. Um, it had moments where I was kind of intrigued by it. It had some very strange humor that sometimes I liked and sometimes I didn't. Um, uh, Data, again, has some strange humor in this movie. But also, so does... Um, there's some Picard humor. There's some weird Riker stuff going on. We'll talk about all this as we get deeper, but these are just my initial thoughts. And what's really cool is we get to see the um, the crew of the Enterprise basically say, okay, this, the, Feder- or the Star- Starfleet is involved in a conspiracy to essentially wipe out a people from its planet and we gotta we gotta go against our own um employer. Yeah. <laughs> For lack of a better word. We gotta go against our orders to stop this from happening. Uh so I thought that was a really cool part. And I wish that that had been a little more drawn out. Um because it gets weighed down by some of those stranger things. Worf has some weird stuff going on in this movie. Yeah. Um, There's just a lot of weird stuff that drowns out what I think could be a really good story. So those are my thoughts on it. Uh, Who wants to go next? I'll go next unless anybody else wants to go next. Okay. Um, Yes. This movie was not as bad as I built it up in my head and remembered it. It is. I vaguely remember this movie for two things uh, from watching it as a kid. Um, I remember it as the movie with the face stretchers. Mm-hmm. and uh, the movie where Data's head floats around. Those are the primary memories I have from watching this movie with my mom. My mom, I remember saying, oh, they're face stretchers, David, or something like that. And I was like, ooh, because that was very scary as a kid watching somebody's face get pulled yeah. so they don't have wrinkles. Um, you would get more of that in Death Becomes Her. Um, uh, <laughs> however, does... Suffer from being a little bit too mild 
while I really love the ethical question series, or maybe even maybe even a made for TV movie plot, like if they gave Star Trek like a big like a, a moderately sized budget and said, "Hey, we want to do a Star Trek film for CBS or something." Let's uh, let's put it out, and you know, we'll give you a pretty good budget, and it'll be like you know, we'll put it on right after the Super Bowl or something like that. That would have been. This seems like a story for that. I'm going to use this phrase, and I realize how dude bro it's going to sound, but this doesn't feel like an Avengers level threat. Like this doesn't feel like something that was like a big movie script. This feels like something that they easily have done before on the TV show. In fact, they did a similar episode on the TV show. It just kind of feels like this was coming out the same season that Deep Space Nine was ending. They had a lot of other options for cooler set, back, you know, bad guys or conflicts they could have gotten involved with. They even mention the Cardassians and the Dominion in this movie, two very uh, big threats from that show. So it just kind of seems like... It seems like in terms of excitement level, it takes a step down. And while I appreciate the theme of the movie and the, the analogy for relocating people and, and what that does to cultures and uh, the very, not, not necessarily direct, but definitely the very similar allegory of uh, what the United States did to Native Americans, it's... <clears throat> It doesn't feel like the scope of the movie or the scale of the movie is quite big enough for the film screen. And that's, I'll, I'll leave it there for now. Okay. Uh, someone else? Y'all are going to play chicken all day. I will say, I will say that this was, I was very uninterested. I was extremely uninterested from the get go. And I think it's just because the story was kind of lackluster and yeah, the themes were okay, but like there was nothing in this, there was nothing in this that really just grabbed me. Like I was, I was from about 20 minutes in, I'm like, okay, this seems all right. This is, seems kind of basic, but you know, whatever we have it here. Um, the only difference is, is that the, there's anything I did like, I like that Jordy got his sight back. And I also liked the, I also liked the character development between, uh, between Data and the boy. Oh, that was good. I also liked you the, would. <laughs> I also liked the character development between Picard and his lady friend. Menage. Mm-hmm. Menage. No, Menage. Menage. Not Menage. Not Nikki. That's a very, it's a very different thing you're talking about there. <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, there's there were things like that. I, like, I, hmm. that's really about it. Uh, the production design of it was was okay. I love the uh, the makeup of the face stretchers. I thought that was kind of cool. Like, I didn't even know that was for years. I didn't know that was F. Murray Abraham, mm-hmm. Academy Award winner. Yeah, F. Murray Abraham, but like. But uh, that's a Simpsons reference. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's about all I can say about it that I that I liked. Everything else was just kind of nothing. Did nothing for me. And save the best for last. Garrett, who loved this movie? I did. I actually enjoyed yeah. this one more. I didn't love it. Yeah, you but, didn't love it. Uh, I will say, from start to finish, I was entertained the whole way through. Um, I don't think that it's as a, a solid movie as the other ones are, but as from an entertainment point, I was never not entertained. There was never a moment in this movie where I was bored. And I've been thinking about it a lot. And I think that the downside that you guys have talked about is the positive for me. I think that the previous two movies played too much to the fans. And for people like me, I don't have that backstory. I don't have that textbook in my uh, repertoire of things that I have learned and the things that I should know. Whereas this one, who people say feels like a TV episode, is perfect for me because I don't have to rely on those previous knowledges. I don't have to rely on anything like that. I can watch this movie as a standalone movie and be thoroughly entertained like I'm watching a show. 
I think that the story overall, the themes are better than the other two from that standpoint. From a person who has not watched this entire series, this movie is a standalone without any need to know any prior background. And I think that is why I enjoyed it more. Um, I think that each character in this movie got to shine and do their own thing more than in the previous two movies put together. Um, Riker and Jordy all had significant parts. Um, Worf had a pretty significant part where he was able to be seen more than what I felt like he was in um, First Contact. Um, I think that overall, each person had their opportunity to have their moment. Um, and I think that that premise of just feeling like a TV show was a solid thing for the general fan. And the other two hit or didn't succeed as much for me because I am not as avid of a fan as you three. See, that is a super interesting take because I would say it feels like a TV show in the sense of it is too close to being like the television show. It, it, I agree. There is a, there, I, no, we're still not on the same page. It, it is very like deeply intertwined with the television show is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, it's I not will... like, it's not like a monster of the week show where you can just jump in. There's a, there's a lot of um, references in it. And in this movie or in the TV show? There's a lot, this movie to the TV show. See, I didn't pick up on any of that. And I think that I, I don't know how deep those go. But, like, again, in the first two, those are, like, the forefront part of the, like, if I didn't know who the Borg was and I didn't know the previous history of Picard, I would be thoroughly confused um, not having that information there. If I had never seen, and I don't know why I would watch this movie, if I'd never seen or heard of, like, the original uh, Star Trek cast and these and the next-gen cast, that would just be a bad idea for me to go see this movie. Um, I'd be thoroughly confused, whereas this one, it seemed the, the plot of the, of the movie is the Federation who I'm aware of and them try and this, I assume a new group of people that were just meeting, uh, in their situation, the enterprise coming in, intervening, find out it's part of the Federation. I understand who the Federation is. I know the Enterprise works for the Federation. All of those things, even though they call back to the TV show, are not like in important parts of the plot that are, you have to know this in order to fully understand. Like they explain, okay, the Enterprise works for the Federation. The Federation is the policing agency of this whole universe. They're doing something bad. The Enterprise doesn't want to be a part of that. Totally understand it. See, I find that very interesting because like Josh, I kind of agree that so one of the things that I do appreciate about the movie is that the humor in the movie is very character based. It's not like it's not like slapstick or overly goofy. Like the juxtaposition of knowing how Captain Picard is and then seeing him wanting to do a samba is kind is funny. Uh, it's kind of humorous to a long term fan because you know his reservations about sure. doing anything like that. Yeah. Picard and or, uh, Riker and Troy's relationship kind of spurring up again and her going yuck when she kisses him. It's funny because you kind of know their relationship. And Worf having to revert through adolescence is, is humorous because you know how, how Worf hates anything that makes him look weak. And so, like, it's all very character-based. And I, I, I kind of assumed when watching it, like, I was, like, was kind of, like, you know, giggling a little to myself at times. But I just kind of thought, like, to the general movie-going audience, this isn't – I can't imagine this is that funny, though. Because it's not, like, ha, ha, ha funny. It's not, no. like, it's not like the Avengers where you have, like – I feel like more obvious humor. Like this is all really character based. And I will agree. Let me I, jump I don't know. I, I feel like that, especially like, like Andrew was talking about the moment where, where Jordy can see for the first time, that's really built upon uh, years of Jordy not being able to see and having that moment. And I guess you don't need all the seven years worth of storytelling to get you to that point, but it's definitely amplified by it. So there were, and, and that, those particular things that you're talking about um, are the issue that I do have with this movie is, again, going into this third movie, having only seen the previous two movies, when Picard 
stopped to do the mambo, I paused the movie and was like, is this normal? Because this does not seem like something Picard that I have seen would do. It seems very weird and I don't understand what's happening. Uh, Josh was like, well, it's not normal, but it's not abnormal for his character to do this type of thing. Sometimes he'd be like that. Right. And so those things... He realizes it moments later and is like, something is terribly wrong. But here's the thing. I do not get the urge to mambo. I'm going down to the planet (laughs) to talk to some people. I don't need to know those things because they're not as important to the overall story of the movie. It's weird. and, And there were many, and there are many parts of my notes where I repeatedly say, what the hell is going on? Why are people acting so weird? But the way this movie was structured, just I believed that it was some kind of impact from this particular planet having some kind of effect on them. Mm-hmm. And to an extent it was. Um, over the last couple of movies, I was able to pick up on the fact that Riker and the counselor, I don't know her name because I don't feel like they actually ever say her name in these movies, which is a problem that I have, but maybe they do and I just miss it. Um, I don't really feel like most of the women have much to do with these movies, which is kind of a shame. Um, But I've been able to pick up on social cues that they have some kind of a situation because at the same time, um, when Riker and this counselor have their first kiss and she's like, I've never kissed you with a beard before. I was like, what? Aren't they together? How would she have never kissed him with a beard? And I just assumed that all of this weirdness was coming from the uh, planet atmosphere that they were there to investigate, that it has weird effects on people. And so it didn't impact my watching of the movie other than I thought that these people are acting weird as hell. Well, that's fascinating. And see here, I thought, and I, I, and Josh, I think you're on the same side with me. Here, I thought this movie was going to be totally too foreign for Garrett, and it was just perfect. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I don't have much to add to that. I thought that it was it was a bit too tied into the TV show for the average movie watcher, but maybe not. Maybe not. Andrew, you you haven't said too much about this yet, and you're also a fan of the show. So how do you feel like it does tying in to the show and also um, being approachable to a non-fan or does it? I, I don't think so. I don't think it ties in. Like if you went into this movie, I, I, if you went into this movie, like knowing the Star Trek lore, you'd probably get, you'd, you'd probably get more out of it. But like having, I mean, I, but that's completely wrong because I got more out of it than all of you. But my thing is, no. is that as like, far as enjoyment, as far as enjoyment, as far as enjoyment. He said you'd get more out of it. He didn't yeah. say you'd get nothing. Right. But like, it, you know, usually when you go to, okay, when you go to Star Trek, when you watch Star Trek, Star Trek is built upon this giant universe, all right? Mm-hmm. This giant universe of, you know, just, just everything happening. When we get the Star Trek movies like these, it, the plot point has to be something that's really dynamic and maybe, and, and yeah, we've, we've touched a, bit, a little bit about theme and whatnot, but right. But like this movie in particular, if you're not well, ver- if you're not like somewhat versed, if you're not somewhat versed in it, it's just going to be a regular science fiction movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like it's like regular space, Space science fiction movie, and that's it. Here, I don't. Here, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, "This is this is boring." And I've I've stated that before, but like, what makes it boring for me is is that like, nothing here, <clears throat> nothing here is like excelling, excelling plot wise, character wise. It's great, like it's setting it up. Like if the conti- mm-hmm. if the series was, if the series was still going, I could see this like. I could see this being like an installment of the series, kind of like the X Files, because we had the X Files movie in between, in between the series. But here it's like, yeah, whatever. Like it's I, like Star Wars is almost dead. I think Trek. to your <laughs> the Star Trek Enterprise. I think to your uh, to your point, Andrew, it feels like this is well worn territory for Star Trek. Yeah. It doesn't feel like this is all that different than something you would have seen. It doesn't like what I was trying to say was it doesn't feel like this is 
a new thing that they've never experienced before. They have dealt with very similar themes in the show. And they've dealt, I mean, they've dealt with vengeance like you saw in First Contact. And they've dealt with the idea of legacy like you saw in Generations. But they presented those in ways that they hadn't presented them in the show. This feels like something that could have easily been presented in the show. And I would say the first 45 minutes of the movie, because I was actually clocking it as I was going along, the first 45 minutes of the movie, if it had like, all they would needed was like a, uh, a really like nice speech and then like some character to like have a breakdown and start crying and say, you're right. And like end it. And that would have been the end of a regular episode of Star Trek, um, the next generation. But it keeps going and it, it, and at times after that 45 minute mark, I felt like there was good stuff. And then I felt like there was times where it was just kind of dragging it out by bits. Yeah. Um, they had talked during pre-production of this, they wanted a more mild, like a more pulled back thing. The Star Trek series is never known for being blockbusters. So the highest grossing Star Trek film to that point was uh, Star Trek The Voyage Home. And it was a very... And that movie's goofy as hell. ...mildly paced, more lighthearted film. And I think they wanted to get back to that after they went kind of more heavy sci-fi thriller action, whatever you want to throw in there for First Contact. They wanted to get back to that. But... Um, I don't know. I feel like the first contact sets you in a certain mindset of going into this film. Like if you're a Star Trek fan, you're kind of hoping like, okay, this is going to be something big, something we never got, never something they could have never done on the show. And this feels very much like something they could have done on the show. Yeah. Um, like which is as a fan is a fan feels like a letdown, but obviously for someone coming in, cause I was describing the plot to my wife too. And she like Garrett said, this sounds like the kind of thing I was wanting to see from them as something more uh more like a morality play set in space something more like uh, an ethical quandary that the crew can't just shoot their way out of they have to like figure something out um so it has its uh it has its pros and cons in terms of making a movie like this i can see where you're coming from as far as the situation of people who have watched seven seasons of this show and feel like you've seen this before that that totally makes sense uh, but for me, if I look at these three movies now together, uh, first one, in my opinion, attempt at fan service. Uh, here's passing the torch from one to the other. Um, I didn't watch either. I don't necessarily care if the story is not compelling. I found the story relatively compelling. Uh, but outside of that, I was bored. Yep. Uh, the second one, I had none of that prior knowledge of the show. So had I not been filled in, I wouldn't have known these things and I wouldn't have understood some of those elements that they put in this movie. In this particular movie, having watched these two movies, this is what I get out of it. Captain Picard, who is a stand-up man who does things right, believes in what's right, believes in what they're doing from Starfleet um, as a federation, as a, an exploration, as a welcoming committee to people who are in this uh, universe, humankind is good, let's be allies. That is what he's up for. He believes in Starfleet. And to learn that this village is more advanced than what they set on, and that Starfleet is the one that is behind the relocation and the trying to get rid of these people for no apparent reason other than to put these other people on that planet and to um, find this medical magic and make everybody better at the detriment of 600 something people, I think they said, and him having this moral dilemma, that is more interesting to me as to what I've seen because he is having this huge struggle because what he has believed in for so long is doing wrong. And now he has to stand up against what he has believed in and go rogue in order to do what is right by what he believes Starfleet is. And that is a more interesting story overall mm -hmm. than the other two movies for someone who has not been a part of the fandom and the, right. and the series. I totally understand had you been watching all of the Star Trek seasons, how you could see this and think, we've already seen this before. That I totally get. 
totally understand. And I have to say, and I think Josh and Andrew, you might agree with me a little bit. This is not necessarily a terribly done version of the story. I feel like I feel like the performances are fine, and I feel like the this you know I feel like the way they handle it is all fine. It's not directed poorly. Um, I think Patrick Stewart gives a great performance, especially when he's arguing on behalf of the um, the people to the admiral. Um, he gives this great line about how uh, historically throughout human history, every re- every every reload every relocation uh, attempt has led to uh, the destruction of cultures. And when someone says you're talking about we're talking about saving billions of people versus 600. He goes, how many does it take before it becomes bad? You know, and the music kind of swells to this big moment. And he's like, I'm ordering you to go back. And at that moment, they turn in all the, you know, most of the crew, they turn in their badges. They're, 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 they're rebelling. And maybe it's also a part of the climate that we're in currently, because I feel like this story that is an insurrection plays a huge part in everything that we're going on right now. Um, the whole, to get political, the whole black lives matter movement is how many people have to be hurt and killed before you pay attention, before you take this stuff seriously. What is an acceptable number before it starts to become a thing that you care about? And I feel like that message really resonates with the climate that we're currently in. How many times mm-hmm. have we heard so many things over and over and, and then nothing be done, nothing be done. And, mm-hmm. and we finally reached that limit. And, and now there's this mass movement across the country of people saying, this is too much. And that is what Patrick Stewart and the crew of the enterprise is doing is saying, even 600 people that, to save the, ma- the mass of people is too much. These people should not be suffering just so we can save these people. Right. And, and that, I feel like that message is so pronounced right now that I yeah, feel like definitely it hit stands out. Yeah, it hits different than it used to because I don't, that's, I don't, I mean, I don't want to completely speak for the writer, but just from my reading, that's not the intended message, though perhaps an unintended message um, because the, the initial focus was everyone's obsession with, with plastic surgery and looking young all the time and needing to be perfect. Um, that was the, that was the um, initial like intention for the commentary it was trying to make. Um, and I think that's subdued a little bit in mainstream culture today, um, at least compared to what it once was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, it's like, it, it's I mean, nice there's definitely rap. multiple meanings you yeah. could pull from it. Yeah, they, they sort of wrap that around as the justification here, whereas, you know, in, in today's reality, and, and they even bring it up in the movie, in, in this reality, they would be doing the same thing if it was like 600 people living on a place where they discovered a whole bunch of oil, a whole bunch of natural gas, something they could, something that the government or, the, or industries could exploit. Well, they don't have that much need for these types of resources in the 24th century, but what they do have is, hey, there is a there is some sort of compound here, some sort of radiation that prolongs life and helps regenerate uh, cells. We could advance medical technology by by thousands of years just by har- harvesting this one planet. And you want us to not do that because six hundred people live here? Like they 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 find a way to use one problem with society, which is a obsession with youth and health and, and, and a neat, uh, uh, an unwillingness to get old as a way to also tell another story about forcing people out of their homes for uh, material, material gain. Which is, I mean, that's pretty traditional of the show is to, to kind of mix themes a little bit. Yeah. Uh, going okay. back. Go, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, uh I wanted to talk about there's there's not a lot to talk about in terms of uh, groundbreaking performances, but I really thought Stewart is really the anchor that holds these things together. And if it wasn't clear after the first two, it's definitely very clear here because I I, just, I thought he was great, and I, I thought that everybody else pulls their weight. Um, Donna Murphy and and um, and uh, F uh, shoot Murray Abraham. Yeah, he they 
like you're talking about two academy like well one's a tony winner one's an academy award winner they bring uh everything they need to to the table without like being distracting or anything like that and i don't know i i just really thought that like uh by the end of the movie i was really um it made me wish that patrick stewart had really gotten more roles outside of the sort of sci-fi superhero genre after this well in defense of him on that i don't i'm I'm not sure that he like wanted a lot because a man like patrick stewart i think could get pretty much any job he wants um and i think he enjoys the genre I don't think he's typecast. That's what I'm getting at. I think um, he does too. But um, so a couple things, a few things that bothered me about the movie um, were the moments where I thought it dipped a little too heavy into Star Trek lore and um, slight fan servicey stuff that just felt unnecessary to the to the movie. Um, starting with the awkward return of Riker and Troy together it was, it was aggressively awkward um Riker was in some sort of way <laughs> Riker was horny and I, and I did not enjoy it, it and also weird. yeah I was I was worried that by today's standards it was sort of uh uh, 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 uh hovering the line above non-consensual <laughs> it was just weird and unnecessary and and without the prior knowledge I thought that would that put, would make no sense to anyone um and maybe Andrew and David can touch on this because I think you all have seen some more of the original or the TNG than I have. But she says, I've never kissed you with a beard, and that can't be true. Well, I, that has I do, to be wrong. I do know something about this. So Riker and Picard, Riker and, Riker and Troy's whole relationship, for the most part, took place before the show, right? They talk about it in the first episode. They talk about it in several episodes later that they used right. to Right, right, right. They never technically go full-on dating on the show, but they do have a very close relationship, and they do talk yeah. about it. But I don't believe they ever kiss after season two when Riker starts growing a beard. Now, what she does do is she does... So this is going to get really inside nerd for you guys. She does totally kiss the identical version of Will Riker, Thomas Riker, who was... Who, who was who was spawned by a transporter accident and marooned on a planet for several years, he did have a beard and he did kiss Troy because as far as he was concerned, he and Troy never stopped dating. So she has kind of kissed Will Riker with a beard before, but I don't think they remembered that they were making the movie and it was a funny joke. Okay. Okay. Well, there's, yeah. So all that was weird to me. Um, (laughs) I agree with everything that David has just said. <laughs> smart, smart move. Yeah, I uh, I thought it was really strange that they decided to introduce the concept of Klingon puberty, Joktala, mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, very, very weird time to do that for a broad audience. Uh, we get um, Worf with a giant gorch on his face, mm-hmm. and um, Data gets to explain that that is a pimple. Yeah. I, you, what, get like why? That, you get the feeling that Klingons had become kind of a joke by this point. You know? Uh, really by that point, Klingons. yeah. They're just kind of like, oh, they're the kind of weird, big, brutish guys. And now, oh, the big, the big guy, he's got a pimple. Ha, ha, ha. It just seemed like... Yeah. It seemed like, I don't know when the point, when that tipping point was, especially in the films, but there's definitely a point where, like, Klingons are, like, the, not the threat and, like, every other bad guy, Romulans... Uh, uh, Borg, whatever. They're all the big threats in the, in the, in the world now, Cardassians. Well, I mean... I didn't know the Cardassians were in this series. So Cardassians! Cardassians. That's the Cardassians. Well, I mean the Cardassians are aliens anyway, so, you know. Yeah, Cardassians. Mm. Will always be. Um, my... Sorry, David. My final... No, the final thing that came to mind, at least, that I'm sure I'm sure more things will come up. But so my assumption is for the reason behind this is that this was the first Star Trek movie to um, completely render the space scenes in CGI. Mm-hmm. But they gave us um, the coolest version of the Enterprise ever, and then really didn't let us see it in battle very much. 
and that was a, a damn shame. Yeah. Didn't do a lot like, why are you going to give us that cool ship and then not let us see it more than just most of the cutscenes with the ship are just kind of like stationary planet orbiting. That's dumb. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we get one fight, and it's uh, they're not. I mean, it's yeah, towards the later half of the movie. Um, yeah, they did introduce the captain's yacht, which was kind of neat. Okay. Uh, it's a little tiny ship that comes out of the big ship. Uh, in right. theory, for it's like the uh, but they use it here for, for the away teams. sneak down to the planet. Um, yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, uh, I think. For the most part, the visual effects held up pretty well. There's like two I or thought three they looked good. Weird. Yeah, they looked good. There was two or three shots that didn't quite look right. The but other than that, um, I think it held up pretty well. Yeah. Um, trying to think. It definitely oh, it definitely inflated the budget for this movie though. Oh, there's some weird there's some weird jokes in there that are strange. Um, Troy and Crusher talking about their breasts firming up on the planet. Right, which well, would, hmm. and, and just so data can repeat it. It's a very yeah, like, just so data like could repeat it. Joke. Yeah, Everybody it was childish. Joke for the thirteen-year-old, it was childish. Kind of in the same way that the pimple joke was childish. It was. It would have been fine if they had said that, and and Crusher hadn't followed up with her thing because her thing is so awkward. It's like, why would you bother saying it if that's how you feel? Because yeah. Troy says. Have you noticed that your breasts have started to firm up? They're all becoming younger, right? They're all becoming their cells are regenerating. Right. So she makes that note. And Crusher says, not that we care about such a thing these days. And I was like, even if it's if it's true, why would you say it? Why would you say not that we care about such things? Yeah. It just makes it, it sound yeah. like she's trying to remind the audience <laughs> that we're not a we don't care about physical appearance as much in the twenty fourth century, but you may have forgotten that, so we'll mention it. But it's funny, I don't know. And then Data goes over there. And have you noticed that your breasts are firming up? And Worf's like, well, and like, why would Data <laughs> say that? Data wouldn't say that. <laughs> he didn't get turned on yesterday. He, he knows he, that. He knows. he knows that Worf doesn't have breasts. <laughs> exactly. And that he doesn't have breasts. He's not an idiot. This is ridiculous. But those are my main issues that pop up. He's emotional. He's emotion chipless this time around. And actually, what I thought was interesting was that if you pay attention, you can tell that his experience with the emotion chip has had an effect because he's much more. He he has a much easier time relating to other characters in this movie than he has through most of the show. And uh, he's has a way easier time relating to a child, um, which he always had pretty good relationships with children because children generally aren't that afraid of him. But this one is, this child is afraid of him. And he does a good job of disarming him, which the original data probably wouldn't have done. Eh, I say original data, the data from the show. But yeah, there's some weird stuff. Uh, I think those weird things are some of the things, it, as much as I've talked about how much I have enjoyed this movie compared to the other ones, I think those weird things are really what hold me back from giving it a better score. And we'll figure that out, or we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there was some again the the Picard random dance that was weird. The the wharf puberty thing that was weird. The the breast thing that was weird. Um, I thought it was really weird, and maybe it was just the way it was cut. But in my brain, Riker's all horny. Picard is clearly into Anaj, and after he starts to mambo, the next cut is how old are you? <laughs> And that was creepy. That was not, it was creepy. It was creepy yeah. because they, there was, there was, it, it implied a, are you legal kind of a situation, <laughs> not a, are you 300 years old kind of a situation. So right. I think that that was just a poor transition, but there's it was a generally, there's a generally creepy subtext to the movie. I think it's a lot, it's yes. a lot sexier than any of the other Star Trek movies. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is not Riker a good thing. Troy just straight up take a bath together. Well, and then again, mm-hmm. all of the, the flirtation is, is not normal. Like mm-hmm. again, when Anaj and Picard are talking to her, she's like, it's been ages since I've seen a bald man. That's weird. <laughs> really I don't know. It's weird. not that bad. It's, it's weird. That it's That's weird. That's bad, but it's weird. Let's face it. Weird. There's just so many man. moments through this who are just where it's just like I'm really digging this 
overall, but like, why do you gotta go do something like that? <laughs> see, and, see, now my one of my takeaways from that is I like that it took Picard like like five seconds of some, of doing the mambo to realize something was terribly wrong with him. You know, in his head, he's going, "How many mambos does it take? One, ten? The line must be drawn here. A million mambos before it becomes bad? No, no, I'm going down to that planet right now. I'm finding out what's going on here. No." Yeah, just those things. My my, the weirdest for part for me was whenever he was just like, "How old are you?" Yeah, it was. I don't know about. Yeah, that's. Yeah, it's. It honestly, uh, as Andrew might say, this movie is like an onion because there's layers. It turns out the characters are more advanced than they. The, the people of this planet are more advanced than they appear. It turns out they're actually older than they appear. Then it turns out that the bad guys. Spoiler alert! Turns out the bad guys aren't just some random bad guys who have problems with, you know, aging at a rapid rate and need this planet for that reason. It turns out they're actually the children of these people who left years ago and now want to come back and, uh, and subjugate them and get rid of them. Like that to me was a late, late, a late in the movie plot twist that I don't feel like did much for me, but uh, it's just a thing of like, this movie felt like it had, it needed, it wanted to keep a little bit of mystery alive even when the mystery wasn't that interesting anymore. Like I felt like they were fine with what they were, where they were, but eh. if I can compare this to anything, I'd just say like a grapefruit. Oh, grapefruit looks all right on the outside, but as soon as you bite into it, it's like, it just tastes gross. Listen, can we have a group meeting real quick about firing him? (laughs) An assault on grapefruits. Uh, I, I too am not a big fan of grapefruits, Andrew, but I think you're wrong in saying they look great from the outside. (laughs) <laughs> you know mr mcmahon he likes grapefruits <laughs> Big grapefruits. well let's um move on to uh the, the box office portion of, of oh. the show okay See how this unless unless anyone has anything they want to add i feel like we've kind of i do have exhausted I do this. Have one little thing i want to i want to add it's not gonna take long i have some alternate titles again for the no movie. good so these are I all like of, the title quite a bit. Yeah, Insurrection is, is a not very common title, um, early subtitle. Um, so some other titles you had were Prime Directive, because it kind of deals with that a little bit. Uh, alternatively, The Directive. Then there was Star Trek, The Resignation. Star Trek, The Enemy Within. Yeah. Star Trek, Breach of Promise. Star Trek, Dereliction of Duty. And Star Trek apostasy. Now, apostasy might be too college a word, too much of a college word to put on the end of the movie. I think Insurrection says it better. Um, but then you also had these. These came up as they started production. Star hey. Trek Time Stand Still, which is just too long. Star Trek Forever, which uh, Batman Forever took that one from him. And Star Trek Beyond Parasite, Beyond Beyond Paradise. Uh, the final, the, the the writer of the film said his favorite of the uh, pitched uh, titles was Star Trek Sacred Honor. But that got rejected because the studio thought it sounded too uh, religious. They finally Religious? Settled, yeah, Sacred Honor. <laughs> so Look, they decided on Insurrection, which I think honestly might be the best of those particular ones. Although Prime Directive is not bad. I really like The Enemy Within, and honestly, I really like Sacred Honor. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Well, the enemy within is a little too on the nose, I think, at the end of the day. Yeah, might give away. But, but the, uh, the sacred honor is kind of cool because, I mean, that's what they're breaking, essentially. The Federation's mm-hmm. breaking their own sacred honor. But it also doesn't give enough away to know that until it happens. So anyway, oh, that's well, it. Insurrection's good. on to the box office now. Okay, let's do it. All right, here we go. So as, you, as Josh said at the beginning of the show, Star Trek Insurrection debuted the weekend of December 11th, way back in 1998. It finished number one with a three-day total of $22 million, pretty much right on the nose. Um, looking at the rest of that weekend, uh, coming in at number two, very popular for that year, was A Bug's Life in its fourth weekend, bringing in a total of $11.1 million. At number three, this has fond memories for everyone, I'm sure. Jack Frost. Star, uh, wow. 7.1. What week was Jack Frost in? Uh, that was its opening weekend. Really? That close to Christmas? Yep. You got to open that sucker in November at, at, at the earliest. 
earliest or latest. Right. Yeah, was, was, that, that cross, was, that, uh, was that Keith or Sutherland? No, that was no, no it was Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. That's it. That's it. Anyway, uh, at number four, Enemy of the State brought in 6.6 million in its fourth week. And at number five, the Rugrats movie in its fourth weekend with 4.5 million. Wow. So, uh, so Star Trek Insurrection, the only sequel in the top five that weekend. In fact, if you wanted to find another sequel to go see at the movie theater that week, you would have to go all the way down to number 12. It's I Still Know What You Did That Summer, or last summer. Oh, wow. now that's a franchise. That we got to get around to eventually. Oh, yeah. Um, Insurrection yeah. finished with $7.1 million in the United States over its 16-week run. It had $42.4 million from overseas, and it gives you a worldwide total of, of $112.5 million worldwide. That's on a $70 million budget. It's almost double what the budget was for First Contact. And I believe most of that went to the special effects, all of the space stuff being completely rendered in uh, computer animation instead of using any models. This is the first movie or Star Trek production where they didn't use any models um, at all. Sweet. And Who's running the game? I don't ever remember. Oh, hang on. No, I got one more thing. Oh, you do? So the the for the for the year, um, insurrection finished in the number twenty eight spot. Respectable, and um, is only the second highest grossing sequel of that year. Um, the and in the number eleven spot, you have the highest grossing sequel of nineteen ninety eight, Lethal Weapon four. Wow. The top five for ninety eight were Saving Private Ryan, Armageddon, There's Something About Mary, A Bug's Life. And the water boy. Water boy. You know what? There's some uh there's there's obviously um a range of quality among those movies you just listed. But mm-hmm. isn't it kinda nice that those uh, the top movies of the year were like all original movies? Yeah. Don't you miss that a little bit? Mm-hmm. I mean and, and they range in genre type. You got Saving Private Ryan is a you know World War II war movie by Steven Spielberg. You got Armageddon, which is a more traditional blockbuster type film. There's something about Mary is a comedy of sorts. Animated <laughs> film. Adam Sandler was huge in the 90s. Um, the next few movies down, Dr. Doolittle, Rush Hour, Deep Impact, Godzilla, and Patch Adams. That's your top 10. Wow. 1998 so, was interesting. Pretty much all original movies. and uh, you know, but, but in ways, these are franchises of their own. You know, you're talking about uh, Spielberg. You're talking about uh, you know, Bruce Willis, you're talking about Ben Stiller, Pixar, Pixar. you know, Pixar, Disney with Bugs Life, Adam Sandler, Eddie, Eddie Madison, you know, Eddie Murphy, uh, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. Like these movies could be classified as franchises on their own, but the franchises are more about the actors and the people making them than they are about the intellectual property. Yep. That's when movie so, stars uh, used to exist. Yeah, so back, uh, so, so the, um, to, to wrap up, the only other thing worth mentioning is that we've had one other movie that we've done from 1998. It was Halloween H20, 20 years of Halloween. Wow. So that was a rough one. Episode out. And yeah. then uh, running the game this week is Garrett. Garrett won last week. He won the tiebreaker. Right. Me, go. All right, um, let's see. This movie's had a total of a lot of things. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't ever remember how to look and see uh, how many ratings it's had. So while I figure that out, why don't you guys go ahead and guess? 2.8. 2.8 from Josh. Right 2. out the 8. gate. I'm going to go with 2.8. 2. 2.4. Okay, great. Because I'm going to say... 2.6. Oh, 2.8. 2.6. It's going to be a tiebreaker no matter what. But I'm in you know, it. we've fallen into a bad habit where someone always wants to, wants to split the difference. Yep. And it doesn't often work out for the difference splitter. I know. I think I'm going to end up in the tiebreaker zone this time, though. Well, maybe. We will have a tiebreaker. Mm. Dang. Um, this movie is at a 2.7. So Ooh, we'll have a tiebreaker between Josh. Uh, Josh and David. 
And again, I I need to pull up the phone uh, or the app, but um, let me see if I can. I can't remember how to find out how many fans it has. Somebody tell me real quick. It's easier to see on the on the on the on the desktop version. Is it? I'm gonna pull that up. Cut this part out, Josh. No, I'm not editing this. <laughs> I've already we've already gotten through most of an episode without Andrew asking us to stop it for some dumb reason. Fair. That's a fair. We'll get him looked down in shape. By handful, you mean all of the times. And then I have to wait for like the 34 minute mark to show up so that I can edit out 10 seconds of you turning on a light and making no difference. <laughs> anyway, I, I got We're that. I got, We're not I got that. Okay, I'll say this while Garrett looks this up, unless he's done. All right, but go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I've been uh, watching Deep Space Nine and I'm yeah. up to uh, the, I'm in the third of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And uh, it's, uh, I'm starting to enjoy some episodes. Um, there's been a handful of good episodes in seasons wow. one and two. Um, and there's still some boring episodes in season three. But I'm really starting to dig it. I'm really starting to dig it. So hopefully it gets better. So I have, uh, the 20,000 people have said they have watched this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are 1,722 1, people who have liked this movie. Of those likes, how many people say they are fans of this movie, which means it is in their top letterbox listing. If you go to their profile page, you can see what they have. How many people are fans of this movie? Out of how many? Can you give us a range? Out of 1,722. So the number is less than that number? Yes. Those are just the people that have liked it. Like, can you give us like hearts. a range between like zero and two hundred or something like that? <laughs> Let's do zero and two hundred. Okay. Eighty. Eighty. I will say sixty-five. Sixty-five. All right, Andrew, you want to guess just for fun? Ninety. Three. Only three? Only three people have this in their top uh, four list. Three people. It wasn't a pretty win, but it was a win. I'll take it. <laughs> David takes a commanding lead in the overall scores. Eventually, we'll have to have like a little graphic that says, David, winner. I don't know about commanding. Uh, I, it's definitely not commanding. I, I have uh, five total letterboxed wins to everybody else's four. <laughs> So it's been a pretty right. even game. Okay, we're all pretty on. We're all right on each other's heels. So I'll run the game next week for Star Trek Nemesis. Cool. Uh, well, what do we want to rank this movie? I'm going to give it three. Yeah, I'm going to give it a three as well. I'm going to give it two point five. Mm. Wow. See, this is going to be interesting. I'm going to give it a two. Wow, what? that is interesting considering you seem You to don't like make it. any sense. <laughs> no, I don't. I, listen, the silliness of this movie held it back for me to an extent because... It held again, it because, that much? Yes, because I, I think that while I think the other two movies are better, overall movies, I appreciate the fact that they're better movies. I think the story of this movie is better, but I think that it hindered itself, in my opinion, too much with the silliness and it was a silliness that I didn't fully connect with. And so it brought it back because I wanted to really enjoy this movie. But in the end, I was disappointed by the fact that it was just so a little too silly and a little too creepy in places. So I do have to give it the disappointing rating because I wanted it to be better. But ultimately I I came away thinking, man, it it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be because the story elements were there for a long time. For our longtime fans, we're going to have to develop like a drinking game or some kind of thing like that. And it's like drink every time Garrett's uh, final score is somewhat contradictory to his overall opinion <laughs> during the show. I told hey, I said that he's like, a, man, this movie is terrible. Hated every minute of it. I give it a four. Five stars. <laughs> hey, I base it on quality. Three. Not my own person. I, I actually really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was really good. Uh, two stars. 
It did. It, it hindered itself. And I said I in this podcast, if you go back and listen to this podcast, I said that the silliness was going to impact my score. But you said this was the most approachable one you've watched. Agreed. So how can this be worse than what you ranked Generations? Because I, the other movies are better overall movies. And I'm aware of this. So here's what my, my reasoning it, 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 was. My reasoning is not based on like how I personally felt. It's more of like, okay, what are the quality of these movies? What is the that? the good aspects of these movies. And if it is more of a general TV show, then that is not necessarily a movie. And it takes it down, plus the silliness. The other ones, while I may have been bored, were solid mm-hmm. and not hokey and campy and to a point where it took away from the story that I thought was really strong. So overall, it was a disappointing too. Because it could have been a lot more impactful without those silly, ridiculous elements. My rationale, I just heard a firework go off. I, if you're uh, watching at home, uh, it's July 25th. I know. Sounds a lot like 4th of July to me. Um, anyhow, my rationale was that this movie, I don't feel like is worse, is that much worse than Generations. Like, I couldn't sit here and go, man, this was harder to watch than Generations. Like, I couldn't give it less than that. So I just kind of like, it's even with Generations for me. It's right at I don't remember when I gave Generations. Pretty sure you gave it like a three, uh-huh. maybe a two and a half. Yeah. Andrew, did you give your ranking? For gen- for this movie or for Generations? For this movie. Yeah, it was 2.5. I was the lowest one. 2.5, okay. So what does that make our average, Josh? Two threes, a two, and a two and a half. Uh, it's going to be two and a half. Well. 2.6, technically. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's Pretty about what it's ranked sense. Yeah. That's about what it's ranked on, on Letterboxd. We, again, are... Right there with Letterbox. Maybe the algorithm works. Maybe. Mm. I don't know if it's an algorithm, though. It's just kind of a standard average. I know, but that's the thing is like we somehow match up perfectly with what the standard, like usually the average is on Letterbox. So it's, it's true. Like we get pretty it. close. I mean, we're a little bit lower on this. Actually, <laughs> hang on. Let me do it in the math one more time. Let me get the exact one. Okay, so two point seven for everybody else. It was so ours is two point six two. Ooh, see. And um, Letterbox also rounds up, but if you hover over it on the desktop version, it tells you the exact score, which mm. is two point six nine. Wow. So there we are still a little lower, but extremely close. Right well, there, you go. Well, I'm fine with that. Two point five, I, I think, is 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 fine. I uh, you know. Not the best Star yeah. Trek movie, but not the worst. No. Not yet. <laughs> okay. Um, out of 10, would not watch again. I'd watch this again. I think I'd watch it again, too. Not like not soon. Right, not right <laughs> away, but I'd watch it again. I'm not a, like Jonesing to watch it again, but... Yeah, maybe someday. I can think of a worse I want to. I, I want to buy the box set one day. Me too. Yeah, I'd like to have. And, the, and I'll tell you what, Blu-ray. this all hits differently for me because I've just finished watching the whole series again. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I mean, it was like four months ago, but it's all still in my head. We need. A, we need a. We need a talking Trek spinoff show. Yeah, there you go. We, we can just, just talk about Star Trek episodes Trek all the way from the beginning, all the way through the end of Enterprise. Why stop there? Discovery. Maybe, we'll go along with Discovery and Picard. Maybe Discovery and then you round And lower decks. Picard. All right. Well, that's enough Star Trek for this week. <laughs> we'll be back next week with one more Star Trek. Star Trek Nemesis, the um, final farewell to the Next Generation cast. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to this because I've not seen it yet. Really? You've okay. never seen it? Nope. I'm surprised, honestly. I probably haven't seen it since I was like 12 or 14. Um, so when it came out, I, I was 12, something like that. So I loved it, <laughs> but like, I, I can see now the problems, but I, I had it on DVD and I watched it over and over again when I was a oh, kid. Okay. Now that is not something to be like, Oh, about because I was 12 years old. <laughs> no, no, no. That's fine. I did not have good opinions on movies. No. Um, but it just goes to show that I, I expect something uh, much different when I watch it as an adult. Yeah, no, Josh. Well, we'll uh, find Josh out. Kid, he 
pop this out and put Dunstan checks in into the DVD player. Oh man, go back and forth. Dunstan checks in is on HBO Max, <laughs> and I'll watch it right now. Um, yeah, we'll be back next time with Star Trek Nemesis. Find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search so many sequels on those and uh, hit that like button or follow. And then, of course, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, check us out on our YouTube page. Um, Just search so many sequels there, and you can subscribe to us and get the video version of this show and some of the other fun videos we make in between. So do that. And until next time. Bye. The My... podcast of the take. There's no Vulcans in that movie, is there? No, nope. there's no Vulc. Well, I think, so. there, I, I think there is one. We do also see a troll. Th- <laughs> oh, do we see yeah. a Kardashian? No, a Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs>